Light. My co-host is Mr. Kel Simpson. We're both educators, and we're trying out the podcast world. Uh, you can find our podcast, Idea Farm, on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also see us on the internet at ideafarm.education. We'll be trying out some things over there, too, in the, in the days and weeks and months to come. Um, if you're taking the time to listen to us, we sure do appreciate it. And any thoughts you have or anything you want to do to, to contact us, we would certainly love to hear from you. On today's episode, we start off with uh, talking about stress in the classroom move into talking about trust and Maslow's hierarchy of needs makes an appearance near the end. Once again, uh, we appreciate your time and uh, here we go. So and how's uh, how's classroom life going? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning always more as a teacher and some a lot of interesting things. Uh, yeah, just, you know, you go to a country and you start to learn more and more about a culture and, and the kids are a reflection of the culture. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's good. I mean, I, I was telling you in a message, I was really surprised how stressed out the kids are and how unaware of it mm-hmm. we tend to be. And I only realized that because I've like part of the middle school plan is that we have to have clubs, like the teachers run a club. It's good right. though. Like in other words, from, Monday, excuse me, from Tuesday to Thursday, so Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the first 45 minutes of school are just a club. They don't do anything academic, so it's usually something active. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it can be anything. It's just whatever the teacher's interested in. So we have, like, creative movie making and photography and whatever, So and it changes okay, trimesterally. Nice. Yeah. And I, I, I'm doing a psychology club just because I enjoy teaching that, and it was something that I had a bit of knowledge in that I could do fairly easily. So, yeah, yeah. I was just doing some stuff with the kids in that in that club, and I was just – so surprised that I was just following a protocol from one of my, I'm taking like an emotional intelligence class for the masters Mm -hmm. and I was following a protocol to just kind of introduce the topic to the kids. And I was surprised at how textbook their responses were. It was pretty much exactly what the book said it would be like. I thought that was surprising. For when it comes to stress or, or what? Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause the book talks about the fact that we as adults are not great models because we don't manage stress well Uh and that, uh, most teachers are not aware of how stressed out their kids are. And I, and I, cause when they went around the circle, I was like, wow, I can't believe that they are, you know, cause they say it in a joking manner, but as an adult, you know, uh-huh. with a bit, a little bit of emotional intelligence that experience gives you, you're like, wow, that kid is not well, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'd be totally interested in doing that. Well, what kind of other protocols, um, are you trying? I thought this or? was going to be totally lame, you know, yeah. I thought this was <laughs> going to be totally lame and I couldn't believe that it works. This book says that you're supposed to this this protocol that they have is called pass the leather. So without giving you the whole spiel behind okay. what they say passing the leather is all it is basically is you give a sentence stem mm-hmm. and you put the kids in a circle. This group's about twelve. Uh-huh. Um and so the first stem that I gave was I wish. Okay. So right. the, let's say it starts with me. I have to say I wish, and if you're next beside me, you have to respond to what I said and then you say an I wish and it just goes in a circle okay. like that. Is so the I'm response just, is the response paraphrasing or or you just have to give some sort of yeah it's just something it's not paraphrasing okay, okay. Mm-hmm. and um, man it was surprising because 
if you choose the right stem, like an I wish, that can be go really positively mm-hmm. or negatively, or I suppose it could go neutrally as well. But it was mm-hmm. the thing that stood out. This was the first one that I did. The, what, the thing that stood out to me about that one was the fact that the, uh, all the kids, except for one out of the whole 12, ridiculed the kid before them. Huh. And, and it was interesting because once we went around, you know, I don't say anything. It's supposed to be very student driven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do y'all think that I noticed as the adult just watching? And they said, we're all negative. Huh. They knew. And I was yeah. like, wow, that's, yeah, it's interesting that they were aware of that. And then the one that I did last week, I've got it tomorrow. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with them. But, um, I just, if you're, if you're interested in doing that, by the way. Yeah. So, th- and then I just went into, I just did that. And it was almost for me, it's almost like an assessment. It's like an emotional yeah. assessment. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then after that, what did I ask them? I was, um, oh yeah. Cause I was supposed to be for this class, I was supposed to be using it in such a way to introduce them to the idea of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to figure out how would I work that into the psychology club. So I asked them the open-ended question, what if, what should be taught in school that you think is not? Because the premise of the book is that this should be taught. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so I was just, and they were, they had that conversation. It was interesting. The things that they said, a few of them said that we should be taught how to interact better with each other. Mm-hmm. But then there were just, a, you know, it was a range of things after that. But so the, uh, the last one, I was supposed to do a similar protocol and then ask them about um, how they manage stress. And, and uh, so the stem this time was today will be a good day if. Okay. And uh, I was telling Angela about it and I was like, you know, I, I really, I thought that someone would say today will be a good day if it just keeps going as it is. Something to uh-huh. that extent. Uh-huh. None of them did. Huh. And, and beyond that, something that stood out to me was all of them identified things that they had no control over. Okay. So that they would say, today will be a good day if I didn't have to go to practice. Uh-huh. Which, I mean, theoretically, a kid could run away, but that's not really an option, is it? I mean, they're going to go no. to practice. Right, so, right. Or today will be a good day if I didn't have the science test. One response was, today will be a good day if the world comes to an end. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean deep stuff like that. And I was yeah. just like, man, this, I was just like blown away. I was like, that book is right. Like I had no idea. Right. Um, and so then from there I went into, well, what stresses, what, what tends to cause, you know, you just give a few things here and there. I just have a, yeah. a, a very, very rough draft plan and I'll try to let them just talk and let them yeah. go. Um, so I asked the question, you know, what stresses y'all out? And they gave a few things. And one of them, they said, this, this, this conversation stresses me out. You know, like even, <laughs> even talking about these things is not, right. doesn't make them feel comfortable because yeah. they're all jokey and laughy. Mm-hmm. But there's also like these little things that they put in there that's, I don't know, because, you know, my interpretation could be totally wrong, but it seems sometimes, depending on the kid, slightly desperate as well, like almost like a cry for help a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, like the kid who said that I wish that the world would end today or whatever, like today would be a good day if the world will come to an end. Almost, I don't know. It seemed like there was something like, hey, ask me how I'm doing. You know what I mean? Something right. like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but so the end of it was, though, and this is what I found interesting, and this is another thing that matched the book, and I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. I was like, well, how do y'all deal with stress? And they just had that conversation with one another, and some of them said, uh, you know, I'll just give you some examples. Like, I, I just like to scream and cry and beat a beanbag. And I don't know if that's positive or negative. Do you? I mean, right. I don't know. I mean, I mean that could be you better know, than beating a least, person. Yeah, they have an outlet. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, instead of just keeping it within yourself and not doing anything about it. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, 
only one or two said they exercise, which is another great outlet for stress, okay, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, maybe one of them talked about, um, listening to music and stuff like that. But I, mm -hmm. I was, I was, I was interested that several of them said that they just cry <laughs> because the book, the book said that crying releases there's over, I didn't know this, that, uh, endorphin is short for androgynous morphine. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that either. Yeah. And that there's over 20 and the most powerful one is called beta endorphin and it's released when you okay. cry. Huh? So it's interesting that even unconsciously they have ways of trying to bring that stress down that they don't really understand what's happening to them. And I, and I, right. I imagine most adults, most adults don't realize what's happening either. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's the other well, thing. I would I, think it'd be, it would be interesting because you know, those processes that we developed were under a, a completely different kind of stress, right? <laughs> Like what? Like what we were, you know, we were stressed oh, out oh. that we were going to get eaten and killed. You know, exactly. like kind of that yeah. sort of thing. So I wonder yeah. if if it does. You know, I wonder how the stresses that we have now. Um, you know, if our brain is equipped to handle them, or if that's why we do need all the other things like the exercise and and kind of purposeful things that we we do to eliminate stress in our life. Yeah, totally. Um, that that's another premise of the book and. I've had that conversation with people even before the book, just, yeah, like so much of what we are is a culmination or an ongoing process, if you will. But it's, you know, we've gotten here because of evolution for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and all these stressors, this, it, I don't know if it's literally adrenaline, but it feels like adrenaline, doesn't it? That mm -hmm. it's because you're about to run from a tiger or you're about to fight somebody to the right. death or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. those fears were totally rational, but we live in such a world now that we are, if we're not careful, we can be very controlled by irrational fears, irrational fears in the sense that, you know, if you can't control the fear, it starts to dominate you. And I've been right. like that in life. You know, if, if mm -hmm. again, if you're unconscious as to what's controlling you, you're kind of a slave mm -hmm. to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, especially like in grade eight, cause you know, I don't think anyone's conscious that young, you're still developing and mm -hmm. um, there's just so much social pressure. Yeah. For you know, for whatever it's different in every society here, it's a great thing, you know, like as far as like excelling and being really well, mm -hmm. but even in, in any culture, you know, it's just an uncomfortable phase of life, adolescence. I think it's not, the, yeah, it's not the oh. peak of your life, you know, no, no, it's not, but it's uphill, right? Your brain's changing, mm -hmm. you're getting it. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about that experience in the classroom, um, how did you? Did you do anything purposely to set up like a culture of trust within the classroom um, so mm -hmm. that they felt, you know, because even like you were saying, like they were kind of making fun of each other and their answers and yet they were still sharing what seemed to be like real answers. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, do you, yeah, do you yeah. count for that? Is, is the society culture in general more trusting or, or whatnot or, or was there something that you did purposely? No, I think I'm just lucky because a lot of the friends, they're, they're, it's mostly, it's literally, there's, I said there were 12, I think there's actually 15 and uh -huh. 14 of them are girls and there's one guy mm -hmm. and okay. of the 15, uh, 13, 12 of them, that's why I said 12, sorry. So of the 15, 12 of them are grade eight students. So they're my students and they're all friends. So I, they just happen to be in that. And the three grade six girls are friends as well. So I just got lucky that they happened to have okay. that dynamic. And they, they also accounted that. They also said that, you know, that's another reason why we kind of hated on each other a little bit because we're friends, but uh -huh. Um, so I, no, I didn't purposely set that up. It was very, very sloppy on my behalf, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm more or less doing it for this class, but I was just, uh -huh. to be honest with you, when I started the class and I started reading, I was like, Oh my God, I got to jump through this hoop. 
and this really inspired me because I was like, wow, this, it gave legitimacy to what I was learning. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think it was, I don't know. It just, I just saw it in real life. It was, yeah. It, yeah. Well, I would say you're, you're probably doing something unconsciously to, to do a, to have a culture of trust, you know, with mm -hmm. at least because you have, you know, those kids that know you. Um, mm -hmm. Cause that's kind of my new kick now is like, you know, everything starts with trust. Um, and, um, in Medellin, I don't think the culture is very trusting. <laughs> if yeah, I can for say that. <laughs> obvious historical reasons, I would imagine, right? And so, yeah. so you don't you don't start with trust there, and then I I really because I've really been reflecting on, um, you know how the kids behave in general, not all of them, obviously, um, and just the struggles that I have in class, and I, and I think what it comes down to is that we do. I'm going to develop like a survey to give the kids because I, I do want to find out. And it's like, Hey, do you trust me as, as a person? Like, do you have trust for me? And I've been kind of reading up on it. Um, and it's like, they have to make, they have to know that you know what you're talking about. Like in general for a kid to tr tr trust a teacher, like you have to know your, your content. Um, you have to have character. Like they have to think that, you know, you are being who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Ah, and then the third one was something in there. Um, and I think if I were to ask them, I would hope I'd get a majority. You know, I think most people, kids would trust me. Um, and I don't think they trust each other. And I don't think they trust each other when it comes to learning. Like, I don't think that they, I think they trust their friends, but I don't think they trust their friends to support them in their journey of learning, if that makes sense. And why um, do you say that? Because they don't see a connection. I, and I shouldn't say they, I'm thinking of a couple students specifically. One time I, I, one time we were working on something and this kid was, uh, they were supposed to be doing something on a computer, um, logging into this game that I wanted them to, to check out for math. And, uh, he, he kept bringing his friends over to listen to something. And I was like, Hey, you know, like just let's, let's get through this is just logging in, checking this game out. Um, that's all kind of the expectation right now. Um, so let's go do that. So then not like 10 seconds later, he's calling somebody else over to check out, uh, whatever he was listening to. Um, so I asked him to come outside so we could have a chat. Um, and I'm like, Hey, what's, what's going on? What's up? He's like, no, I, you know, <laughs> the, the way a paisa starts a sentence no yeah with the yes no yes yeah i've actually i actually start doing that now which is awful um, like what are you thinking about no well no that's not a response, not actually a response to that <laughs> but anyway he's like no um i was wanting to make my friends happy and i was like okay all right, you were wanting to make your friends happy. I was like, but the the purpose of the, the right now is kind of logging in and experience this and kind of getting, you know, whatever, getting our learning on. And he's like, yeah, no, um, no, I, I was wanting to make my friends happy. And I was like, but um, what about like the learning? You know, it's like we we we're setting ourselves up to be successful by learning um the specific strategy that we're thinking about in math and he's like well no my friends are going to be there forever hmm. and i was like okay i was like so your friends are going to be there forever but the learning is not he's like yeah no it's just my friends will be here forever so i need to make sure they're happy 
And so he saw a complete disconnect between what we were doing in school and like the learning of stuff and his friends. Mm -hmm. And that's one. And then another guy, uh, he's, he gets super nervous. He doesn't want to tell his friends that he wants to read better or that he wants to write better or that he is interested in what we're doing. He's like, can you just not send me around them? So I don't have to, to ask them to stop talking, you know? So they'd rather, they'd rather fit in with the social stuff. Uh-huh. And again, I'm, I'm using they just, I'm just talking about a few kids, not all the kids. Yeah. Um, they, they'd rather fit in with the social stuff than to be a quote unquote learner. And so it's, it's, so that's why I think there's a low tr- level of trust when it comes to, do they trust each other when it comes to, hmm. you know, whatever. And then, so my kind of thought is what, what can I do in the classroom to make sure that, that we do have a culture of trust in which they can, you know, Mm-hmm. want to learn kind of thing mm-hmm. that like that sparks two things like the, the, i have a another friend who's a international teacher he was in bogota for a while he's in costa rica now but mm-hmm. he's a really smart dude uh beyond like the mm-hmm. teaching thing he's just an intellectual but something that he that he kind of yeah. i don't know if this is true but it was something that he uh brought to my attention that was something to consider and this is not exactly what you were saying but it sparked it in my mind that he, mm-hmm. he thinks that in the U.S. there's an anti-intellectual culture where you're, like, shamed if you're smart. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, like, you know, you kind of see that's kind of it. I don't want to look like I'm trying or I don't want to look like I'm <laughs> – that seems odd, doesn't it? It seems like you'd want to be the smarter yeah. person. I wonder how right. – yeah. I don't know, like, um, not to take you off task with the, the, the trust thing. Cause no. I do want to talk about that as well, but I'm curious as to why that manifests. Like, it seems like you would – in a competitive culture, because I would say Medellin is a competitive culture as well, wouldn't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. seems like you yeah. would strive to be the smarter one. And I think, obviously, you, you can't throw everybody in, in a box, but there's also right. a significant portion of kids who are scared to stand out or to look like they're trying to improve mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, especially because uh, you missed uh, our new superintendent. She did um, this cool kind of presentation when it came to cultures and mm-hmm. some of the research that has been done. And it was like this huge, I think it was done in the 80s, or 70s cultural study and you know it was taking it for what it worth take it for a grain of salt kind of thing but she was comparing american culture to colombian culture mm-hmm. and one of the things about colombian culture is that they they do not want to stand out mm-hmm. like they want to be part of the group and they don't want anyone there there's no sense of 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 of, of stepping out um, and being noticed. Whereas in the United States in general, like at least back then we did want to stand out and we did want to be separate. We do want to, you know, be noticed and everything. But mm-hmm. to go back to your point about like the, the intellectual stuff that that's even, if you really want to look at teaching, like, you know, we're such an egalitarian kind of where everyone is equal and everyone's the same and we're all good teachers and no one's different. And, you know, we, there's almost some pressure there and, and, and you don't want to say, Oh, well, I'm actually pretty good at this. You know, Mm. like have you ever said said that to it in like a a meeting somewhere? You're like, Hey, actually I'm feeling pretty good in the way I'm assessing right now. If anyone would like to come in and watch that, do you know what I mean? Like we don't do that. And so it's, it's, it's such a strange thing that that i mean i i I, it's just it's just totally bizarre (laughs) yeah um 
I've actually, I've said that a couple of times on this podcast and I've felt self-conscious about it afterwards. Like I've said, yeah, I'm, I'm good at my job and I, and I feel, and I am confident. Like I, I've said that, but I've thought after we've been into the conversation, I've been like, man, I kind of, I don't know. You don't want to be uh, arrogant either. You know what I mean? Like you have, no, to of course, yeah. of course, but I know yeah. what you mean. Something though, like I never had, yeah, trust is so important to me. And as you asked me that question, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know that I have a protocol necessarily, but on some level mm -hmm. I do from day one, that's probably the most important thing, but um, I could pick it apart, I suppose, but in the most simple terms, I just try to love them. Yeah. yeah. And I try to respect them. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be a, I think that adolescents look for boundaries and they do want to mm -hmm. like, I didn't want to be an authority figure and I try not right. to be, but mm -hmm. sometimes you, they're almost, their behavior is calling out for it. They're looking for those boundaries. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, yeah. but I'm not sure what, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but the point is like I do from, I guess I was just saying that I, I try to treat them just like people. Right. Yeah. You know, I just want to treat them like people. And I think that comes with being consistent too and being fair and mm -hmm. admitting when you make a mistake, like, you can't be afraid to tell to me. I don't know. I've seen teachers who, uh, I don't know. I th to me, I perceive it as a type of insecurity, but they're afraid mm -hmm. to tell their kids that they messed up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like a kid came to me today and was like, well, you said this. And I was like, dude, I, I was wrong. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, mess, I, make, I was probably tired that day. I'm sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> right. to. <Yeah. laughs> and God forbid we apologize to them, right. You know, and show them, Hey, I, I apologize for the way I spoke to you. Then I was thinking about something, and you know, because yeah. um, I always find it interesting when you hear teachers go, "Oh, you know, they should respect me because I'm a teacher," or you know, they should do this because of you know who I am. And it's like, well, if you're not talking to them with respect and you're not showing them love and kindness, then why on earth would they ever do it to you? Like you're the adult who's leading things and and being the model. Um, and so that's like, that really affects me because I think sometimes I get, you know, I don't want to say dismissive, um, but sometimes if I'm frustrated, I react in a certain way. And I think I, I pick up on my, my students doing that same thing, like that they will pick up on what I'm, the way I'm behaving or acting and then they'll mimic that. Um, mm -hmm. Like, so like, do you have an example? Like, for example, if, um, if a student is being particularly interruptive or interruptive, uh, yeah, I don't even know a word. Um, and I'm trying to get through the lesson and I've asked them a few times, cause I'm like, if you need to go and you need to sit in a desk cause you're not interested in what's going on right now, um, you can, like you can go out in the hall. If you have to have a conversation, go out in the hallway. Um, mm -hmm. and then, cause I record the lessons and they can watch them at home if they want to and kind of do the work there too. Um, mm -hmm. But then they still won't. <laughs> they won't, they won't yeah. do it. So that really bothers me on some level. So instead of just <laughs> kind of trying to say, please, you know, let's talk another time and kind of do the discipline there. I, I do get a little kind of snappy or whatever. And so I've noticed mm -hmm. that the, ki the kids will kind of say it in the same way. Instead of just saying, hey, you know, this is important to me. Could you please stop talking? They'll just be like, Hey, enough kind of, you know what I mean? Like, and I, that's probably something I vocalized before. Um, so then I, I try to be cognizant of that and try to work on that, um, to be kind of the internally, you know, eternally happy, not in a mm -hmm. fake way, but like just positive and really trying to, um, to help out. Cause like the, the whole 
positive, like they're so used to, you know, the behavior management where it's like, oh, go move your clip or, you know, um, now your name's on the board and you got to check next to it. Uh, and that stuff works, quote unquote, works in the moment. Like you can get a kid to stop talking doing that. Um, but I'm more interested in getting them to buy into stuff. Um, and that is, is a longer process, um, especially if they haven't had that kind of coming up. You know, if they've just been, was that the Skinner method, right? Just behavioral management. You know, you do this, I'm going to do this to you. Um is that um, the Skinner method? What is it like? Like uh, isn't that that's, yeah, isn't that the yeah conditional? Because that, that's all. If you do this, then this happens to you. The whole carrot stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sticks and carrots kind of thing. That mm -hmm. is all external, and um, as we found out, doesn't really work in the long term for people. Um, wasn't a bat just flew around? So that's what I was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I going with that? But, um, so yeah, so, but I, again, I think all that comes down to trust. So do they trust me to, you know, help them out when, when they need help? And, and like you said, it's, it's treating them with kindness and love. And, and, um, I mean, cause that's, I just read yesterday where they were like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So important to me. Yeah. Know. But like, they think that the bottom now is actually love and kindness and human contact. Wow. Because if you look at a baby, if they don't get that contact, right, they're done. They're, they're done. They literally like, die, don't they? Yeah, they die. And that's more and, important than the food aspect to being a human. And, and I've wondered how they've done that research on a side note because I've heard that and I'm like, who did that? When, well, when did, did that they horrifying? Figure? Have you yeah. heard about the orphanage in Eastern Europe? Uh-uh. It was like in Romania or something. It was just, it was awful. It was just so, like, it was just these kids that had been abandoned and no one had held them. And it was just, it was, it was really awful. Mm -hmm. so it was one of those Eastern Bloc communist kind of things that happened. Uh, yeah. Man, I think um, I'm just, I'm like analyzing myself based on that question that you asked about building trust. And I mean, obviously it's not a quick mm -hmm. thing, is it? Like it's, no. it's rapport and you build it and mm -hmm. you treat them like you want to be treated. Yeah. But I start off the year, I think this is important because, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned to you before, like to me, it's so important to be clear about what my philosophy of education is because mm -hmm. it's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I could be teaching English or history or psychology or whatever and it would still be the same goal. Uh -huh. And it's based on Maslow's hierarchy and I actually show that to them and I break it down mm -hmm. and I try to explain to them that I'm trying to get, I'm trying to aid them in their journey because, you know, the, the, the theory says that it's a need. It's you're driven to do this on a subconscious mm -hmm. intrinsic way that you want to become the best version of yourself. But what's always stood out to me, and this is what I tell them. And I actually just revisited it with them today and yesterday for reasons I could explain later. But, um, they say that, or at least, uh, Maslow said that most people will never get past self-esteem. They'll spend their whole life huh. there. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that starts in school and it starts with, you know, again, I want to be careful. Like I, I also am kind of, conscious of the fact it sounds like I'm uh, a teacher basher, but I mean, mm -hmm. not all people are healthy and that includes adults. Right. Yeah. And, and we interact with kids on a daily basis and then you pass on that, that if you want to call it like a mental sickness, if you will, you pass that on mm -hmm. It's contagious, you know? Yeah. Um, but I start off the year showing them that my goal for you is to help you become the best version of yourself. And that's why mm -hmm. I'm doing this. And then I try to show them that over and over through my actions and in my mind that like, I have to be conscious that I, that's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to make them history scholars. I, mm -hmm. I, I want to use history in a positive way, but my right. actual goal is, 
And, and to heart back on the self-esteem thing, because we do have such incredible power as role models to them. Um, you have to be so careful. Mm-hmm. And that's why you, like you said, you got to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes, <laughs> right. you know, you, you got to, uh, yeah. otherwise you're setting them up. Like for some reason in our school, I wasn't even aware of this. We had like a student committee come talk to us, but apparently the kids are in middle school, at least they're comparing their grades and it's happening in a really malicious way. And I, yeah. I don't really understand the ins and outs of it, but, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, um, for that reason, I was revisiting, I showed them this other theory that I showed them as well called attribute or goal orientation theory. And it shows mm-hmm. like people who are mastery oriented. You and I mm-hmm. talked about that. Like yes, it's yeah. essentially a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, but it, yeah. you know, there's other implications within that. And it's interesting because people who are, are, are performance oriented, mm-hmm. they, um, they compare themselves to other people. Yeah. And the mastery person compares themselves to their own last performance. They're not right. concerned with what you're doing. So I was showing yeah. that to them and I was like, the reason, and then I, and then I was showing them the Maslow thing again. And I was like, the reason y'all are doing this, a reason, not necessarily the reason, but one of the big reasons is because you do lack self-esteem and that's okay. Cause you're an adolescent and you're right around mm-hmm. level three and four. You're looking for belonging and you're trying to build your self-esteem and that is right. Mm-hmm. You should be doing that, but there's a mm-hmm. positive way to do that. Mm-hmm. There's a negative way to do that. And you should be building your self-esteem by seeing your own personal improvement, not by trying to compare your group yourself to the whole group, you know? Uh-huh. And I, and I'm just going with you cause I've been wanting to yeah. speak about this with somebody like, I think that's why so many adults never get out of it. Cause I mean, how is that any different than me trying to buy the nicest car to outdo the guy yeah. beside me or yeah. whatever? You just never get past that phase. You're, you're no. constantly looking for approval and self-esteem yeah. on some level. Well, yeah. And I mean, isn't that the inherent kind of, I don't, I wouldn't want to blame, put all the blame on that, but I mean, that, that is grades, right? Like when we, we, when we quantify something with a letter or a number, you know, then we, we make it to where you can compare it. Right. And it doesn't mean anything like an 89 has no real meaning (laughs) or a, or a three, you know, or even when we do standards based stuff. Um, but to, but how do you develop, how do you get kids to buy in? How do you get everyone to buy into that that growth mindset and the and the idea to be internal and kind of and and when you and do all of that stuff when our society in general is such uh, look at this get the new stuff mm-hmm. it's so consumer driven totally. um, it's so consumption driven and then you look online like and then social media is all about putting your best foot forward and all the pictures and now kids are comparing themselves to that and they're like well i'm not doing anything on friday night i suck and look at all the fun my friends are having Mm. Uh, what's wrong with me kind of thing so i mean now it's even more and more and that's even just that's totally fake it's like Mm -hmm. you know those kids are struggling just like you are they're just not showing pictures about it Mm -hmm. um or maybe they are now and it's even worse than i think i don't i don't know (laughs) Yeah, you, you, you never see on my Facebook feed me crying and being like, I'm so right. bad today, you know. But then they do that whole, oh, pray, like, uh, think for me. Like, and they won't say what it is. And yeah. then they make you ask it and then they talk about it, <laughs> which is a horrible practice. <laughs> oh, really? um, but then uh, I was actually thinking, like, to tie back to what you were talking about earlier, um, the kids that were focused on things that were outside of their control mm-hmm. i mean that shows a fixed mindset right like there's yeah. this stuff that that i can't do anything about that's affecting me mm-hmm. whereas what what can i do internally to kind of make my you know my life better and, and to understand what i have control over mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I hate to, I don't guess I hate it, but I guess I'm saying I feel it's, it's odd that when I talk to you, we just kind of vibe and I, everything tends to, for some reason to me, connect in my schema to this idea of Ed Psych, but it, it just happens mm-hmm. to, you know? Yeah. But there's this other thing that I learned. I, I guess these things, and this is what I tell the kids today, like when I talk to them, I'm like, this was so enlightening for me. I didn't learn this until I got to college and it changed my life. It uh-huh. empowered me in ways that yeah. I wish I would have had access to earlier. And I got, and like we said, I got lucky that I had these classes. Yeah. <laughs> But the other theory is called attribution theory, and that's okay. essentially what it says. It says mm-hmm. people who take responsibility for their failures, which your ego doesn't want you to do that, mm-hmm. but you actually mm-hmm. empower yourself because when it's the teacher's fault, I can't change the teacher. Right. Or when my car broke down, and that's why I didn't get there, even though you know, I don't know, that might be a legit thing. But the point is <laughs> you're always putting the blame somewhere instead of just saying, yeah, you know what? I should have studied, and I didn't. But I can fix that. That's the thing. That's the empowering part of it. You have this impulse of ego to not be wrong and not want to own the mistake because you want to, but, but you're, you're disempowering yourself and doing that because you can't Mm -hmm. change somebody else. You can't change the outside thing. And that's why I was so alarmed when they were talking about all the things that stressed them out. It was all stuff that they could not personally control, you know, only one student. Again, it was, it's interesting. This girl must be, I would say she probably has a really high emotional intelligence and I don't know if it's something that's cultivated at home or if it's just innate, mm-hmm. but, um, but she said, uh, today will be a good day if I can master my dance routine. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. that's up to you. You can do that. <laughs> right. you know? And yeah. she was the only one the week before who gave a positive response huh. to the I wishes. Cause a girl said, I want to be able to sing and dance like this person. And she said, mm. you can. Huh. And, and, and I said, <laughs> so after, we, after they had, had acknowledged that they were all negative, I was like, so why did you do that? She's like, because mm-hmm. she's good. I've heard her dance and sing. She's good. Uh-huh. Huh. How, how beautiful is that? You know? Yeah, it is. And then that's, so you wonder, you know, like you said, is it cold? Like, is something happening at home, you know, that's, that, that is allowing that? Is it even on purpose? But mm-hmm. I think that that's so cool that we are at a time now where, I mean, obviously, we've always been able to do things on purpose, but we have we have access to the knowledge on how to do it. So, like, if any teacher would want to do something on purpose to develop the 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 emotional, you know, intelligence of their kids, they can. You know, there's access to that, and that that's something that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'd be it'd be interesting to see if that if you know what is different about her life, you know, that gives her a different outlook than most of the kids there. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I know personally, and I told this to the kids too, because I didn't want them to feel, because it was a, it was an attack on them mm-hmm. uh, in a positive way in the sense that I told them, you know, if you are one of those people who is obsessed with comparing your grades to other people and you're kind of doing it in this malicious way, it's because you do have low self-esteem, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they want that behavior to change. So I was kind of putting a little emphasis on that. But also, right. again, I followed that up with, but it's normal. You should mm-hmm. be searching for self-esteem. That's mm-hmm. exactly where you are in life. Yeah. You just got to do it in this positive way. But with that being said, man, I was so, uh, my whole life, I don't know, that might be an exaggeration, but I would have to say that my society and uh, even the people that love me, because they were programmed this way, I was mm-hmm. programmed to be performance oriented. Yeah. You know, like my dad would always say, man, that boy's just got it. He's just a mm-hmm. good athlete. You know, right. and that's true, yeah. but most of us are, you know, Except for like the 10% at this end and that end. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, most of us are somewhere in the middle and depending on the qualities that you choose to have, right? Like the behaviors, mm-hmm. that's going to be the, like, <clears throat> I mean, if you look at like a Michael Jordan, right? 
Yeah. Now, granted, he's a he's an exceptional athlete, isn't he? Mm-hmm. But if you put him on scale of athleticism within the NBA, he was. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing exceptional on that level. But no. but all these other qualities that he had were what kind of propelled him beyond the average NBA player. You know, it right. wasn't like he was. You know. Yes. But I, yeah, I mean, I was just so. I know where they are, man, because I was so insecure growing up, mm-hmm. you know, all the mm-hmm. way into my early twenties. I was just so concerned with what other people thought about me and actually, mm-hmm. uh, didn't really, you, you, you kind of bury it. I, this is my experience. So I'm assuming other people do it, but you kind of try to hide you to, you lie to your own self and you try to hide your own low self-esteem mm-hmm. again. And, and so I think that's how you kind of get trapped in that. Like you were talking about consumer cycle of you always try to fill that hole. Yeah with the new sh- shoes or the car or mm-hmm. whatever the material mm-hmm. things and most philosophers and religious people for a thousand years have been saying that's not it take the ticket guys <laughs> it's not gonna that's not the way it's gonna happen you know that's yeah. not how you're gonna get what you think it is that you which yeah. i guess you know if you listen to maslow what we're trying to get is that self-actualization but mm-hmm. because we're stuck on that lower level we, we're constantly using these temporary things to try to boost it you know yeah and it's just, I mean, that's the, that's the question is just how do you, how do you fight through that for the, for the students, you know, well, like it's one thing for my kids. I mean, I can do that with my kids and even that's going to be a struggle, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, but at least I can control stuff in some sense at home. Um, mm-hmm. but how do you do that for students who are, you know, you, you, you have to understand the only thing you can control is within that classroom. And even yeah. then, you can't control everything because you don't know. You know I mean, I'd be f- foolhardy to think that I'm controlling everything within that, that ecosystem of my classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can control some of the stuff and I can give them experiences and, and, and try and, you know, elevate their thinking in that sense. But uh, other than that, like, you know, the rest of the time that they're surrounded by kids, they're surrounded by the expectations of other people and, and, the, and society at large. So, mm-hmm. um I guess it's just little by little or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, because I mean, a kid asked me today. I was like, "Well, how do I?" Because I said, "You know, emotional intelligence is who was it? Gardner that did the multiple intelligences?" I think and, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, whatever. The emotional intelligence is supposed to be really important, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. it's a more determining factor in where you end up in life yeah. than your IQ. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the interesting things that, at least in this book that I'm reading what they keep harping back to is that it's about how you define success. And these people who are emotionally intelligent, they know what their strengths and weaknesses are and they seek out opportunities and environments that um, are conducive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the kid asked me that initially, I didn't know. And then, and then you're kind of asking the same thing. Like, how do you do it? I, I would say, I don't know, but two things came to mind. The first one is just showing it because mm-hmm someone showed it to me and it woke me up and I was like, man, I'm that dude. I'm that performance dude. I've been doing that. Yeah. And it's just a choice. And I don't know yeah. if this is true. Do you, do, are you, do you know about this theory? The, do you, have you seen the goal orientation theory? I haven't, but I think, I mean, I've, I, I haven't purposely looked at it, but I have heard okay. some things about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you'll get what I'm saying when I say this, but you know, I just kind of had a light bulb golf and I said yeah. it to the kids, but I was like, it's almost like the performance oriented person believes in destiny. Mm-hmm. They have no control. Right. And the mastery person believes in free will as choice. Uh-huh. So I'm, you know, part of cultivating that I think is just showing this. Cause like when I showed it to the kids, it wasn't part of my curriculum. It was a mm-hmm. sidestep of what we're actually doing in class. I was like, let me, let's talk about this today and we'll get back mm-hmm. to what we were doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so we did this stuff and it was in like a graphic organizer. I was like, all right, if y'all want it, you can take a picture of it. And every class there were kids, you know, 
everybody's not going to get it. It's not going to go off for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But there was a, a significant number of people who were interested enough in it that they took photographs and they wanted to ask me more questions about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's mm -hmm. one way is just to make it known because it's, I don't know. It seems so obvious once it's shown to you, but it's just hard to yeah. see it, isn't it? Yeah, and that was uh, <laughs> one of the things I read is, um, the guy, you know, if you have a belief and you know something, and then the other person doesn't. You think all that you need to do, and usually he was he was talking about adults. Like, mm -hmm. and then you give them the book, you know, that has the information in it, and then they read it, and then they still don't agree with you. Then you're just like, ah, that person's a moron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 but that's just it's just not the case, you know. It's just sometimes, you know, they said one of the things that you can try and do is, um, especially if you're in a discussion with someone who doesn't believe the same thing that you believe or, or, um, you know, I mean, if you, even if you break it down to like a policy at school, like if you can, if you can get someone to explain how something works, then they're more, and they verbalize like how their thought process works or, mm -hmm. or how that policy is going to work or whatever, um, all the way to success. And they understand the effects of everything. You do two things. One, you can learn something as the person listening, right? You're like, oh, okay, so this, this is how it works. I understand now. Or and two, you you if they go through that process of thinking about it, then they're open to the idea of, oh, well, maybe I haven't thought about this, mm -hmm. or maybe you know I had this belief that was based upon almost nothing, and now that I'm talking about it, I see that there's some holes in my logic and everything like that. And then they're they're more willing to listen then. Um, to a different point of view. So that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. And that just, for whatever reason, if, if maybe kids, I mean, like, could you kind of talk about the philosophy of life and the philosophy of education? Like, how do they things think work? You know, how do they think things work? You know, that would be, I wonder if that would do anything for kids. Like if they actually got to verbalize, you know, how does their life work or how does life work? That might give them a chance to kind of be open to, to hearing other things, I, I, I don't know. And have I told you about that Wim Hof guy, the Iceman? No. Uh, no? Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's interesting dude, you should Google him later. He's, I've been yeah. doing some of his stuff, but he's just, uh, he's kind of a mad, he's kind of like divine, he's a guy who's divinely mad, if I'll say, I've seen that. In okay. other words, he's, okay. like, he's kind of enlightened, I'm saying. He's mm -hmm. kind of a nut, but he's, uh, anyway, he's got this thing called the Wim Hof method that's, uh, that's being like backed up by science. It's kind of like, Oh, this is going to be such a I'm trying to bring this in so you can get what I'm saying when I say it, but uh, this is not the point, but he's essentially created a meditative process that's supposed to be really beneficial. Okay. okay. Uh, if I could just put it in simple terms and mm -hmm. he's like the first guy to actually have it under scientific scrutiny and it seems to be backing up a lot of the stuff that he mm -hmm. proclaims, but I've been watching videos by him and the thing that he always says, and, and you'll understand this is everybody will mm -hmm. feeling is understanding. Mm hmm. I'm trying to tell, you know, like words are good, but they fall short of explaining something like love or yeah. any abstract noun. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But feeling is understanding and feeling. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing about when you say, like, how do you cultivate it? I'm not exactly sure, but I do think if you share it with people and they see the benefit of it and they feel it for a minute, then it's, it becomes contagious. I think it, yeah, once you feel it, it, it gives you a realization or understanding that's deeper than mm -hmm than just the cold, hey, here's this thing, right? Like right. It's, uh -huh. And I guess it's kind of like what you're saying, like when you go through that process, um, 
I guess it makes you internalize it maybe. Yeah. I guess, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you, you attach some, yeah, that, that internal feeling to it. That's really interesting. Because now it's, it's almost like now is it our, I guess it's our, how do you make reading feel, right? Or writing? <laughs> like there's, feel, there's obviously feelings to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously when you read, you feel stuff. When you write, you're kind of exposing your own feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's something probably enormous there. <laughs> <laughs> that we need to be a little more purposeful in, in talking about or trying to link to. Um, are you not kind of doing that? With the, you were explaining to me that you, you're doing a thing in your class where the kids are kind of like directing one of their classes, right? Yeah, I'm trying. I need to I need to kind of uh, iron it out a little bit. But yeah, we do. Actually, I, I give them a whole day. <laughs> I give but- are they doing that? Are they kind of explaining, like when you're talking about explaining how something works? Are they kind of going through that process with the with that with what you're trying? Some of them, some of them are, and some of them right now are playing video games the whole day, um, <laughs> which is there's, which what's really interesting, and we can talk about this more in depth um, another time. But what's super interesting is this kid was like. This kid, my daughter's awake, so I'm gonna have to go here. Soon. Okay. <laughs> I'm by myself. Diana's in uh, in um, um, in Cali at a conference. Um, but there she is. Um, you can say hi real quick. Good morning. I'll have to go back to bed. It's super early for you, sweet pea. Uh, but he said, oh, uh, he, he said, she is. <laughs> he said, oh, but you don't learn anything through playing. And I was like, huh. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's all we learn from is playing. But I didn't respond that way. Who said, really that? Who said that? The kid? One of my students. One of my students, yeah. He's like, you, what do you mean play? You, you don't learn anything through play. Wow. That was his exact quote. So um, on that that's mark. That's why it's so good because you trick them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on, on that mark, well, maybe that'll be, we can talk about that more next time. Uh, yeah. Let's I have to go take care of this. Well, again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye.